0: So let's prepare to get into God's Word today. Father, we thank you this morning for your love and your faithfulness and your goodness. You are faithful. Great is your faithfulness. And Father, we come to this precious Word today and ask you by the power of your Spirit, the anointing of your Spirit, to take this living Word and to breathe it into our lives, into our hearts. Jesus said this Word is, His words are Spirit and they're life. They're alive. The writer of Hebrews says the Word of God is quick, it's alive, and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we're trusting now for the Spirit of God to anoint this Word that's already anointed and to breathe the breath of life into our hearts, that we may have a greater understanding and revelation of who you are and of what you've done and what you have called us to do and why we're here. And for that grace, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? And everyone said? Amen, 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 amen. Well, last, we started a series uh, two weeks ago. And uh, I'll give you a little more background on why I believe God's, I don't remember quite what I said then, why I believe God is having us do this. Because it's a teaching I've done before, but there's a very specific purpose for this teaching. Last week we did a little side trip because it was the day to share the Lord's table. We talked about the power of the Lord's table. But we're going to get back into this series. And the name of this series, I don't really... It's the only one I could think of. The quick one I could think of is spirit, soul, and body. And it's all about how we're made up. But it's but there's a focus to this. I've taught this before uh, here. I've taught this before in in, in school of ministry and in, in the context of different courses. But there's a real focus to this. And um, and the reason for it is a really a number of weeks ago when I shared this the, the healing journey that I'm on, I, I, I felt the Lord was telling me to to talk about it. Because in the process, there were things that I was going to learn to share with you that you could learn and grow with. And I have sharing with somebody this morning, I've grown more in the last few months in my faith than I've grown in all the years I've been saved. I've grown more in the last week than I've grown almost in all the other times. God's been teaching me and instructing me not with so much with information up here I've not seen or heard anything up here that I haven't already seen or taught but it's it's revelation down in here it's when it begins to come down in here it becomes real to you when that happens nobody can talk you out of it the devil can't talk you out of it your body symptoms can't talk you out of it your checkbook can't talk you out of it nothing can talk talk you out of it when that drops down in here it becomes what the Bible calls rhema word it becomes the, the word of God God becomes alive in you it 's when the Spirit of God touches you with it. And, and that's what's happening to me. And But part of the, what he's been showing me is why we have trouble receiving. Why we have trouble walking with him. Why we have trouble with all these things with what God wants to do with us. Because we've talked about this so many times before. The kingdom of God is in you now. You're never going to get any more of God in you than you have in you right now if you're a Christian. So then why am I struggling? Because for a number of reasons, we're not in touch with him inside of us. We don't release the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit, the grace of God for all kinds of reasons, but we don't even, some of it is we don't even know He's in there. We, we walk around so much dominated by our flesh. So to, we talked about two weeks ago when we began this, that there are two kingdoms, two realms that the Bible talks about. There's the spirit realm, which is the realm where God lives, and this natural material realm, which is the realm, realm that we're seeing when sensing with, with our eyes, our ears, our feet, well, I guess our feet, with our nose, you know, with our five senses and 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 we talked about those two realms of existence that that, that the spirit realm is the eternal realm it's where god lives it never changes it's, it doesn't have it doesn't function in time and it is more real and we struggle with that because we're not used we can't see into that realm that's why we have to walk by faith and not by sight and then we saw in genesis chapter 1 it says in the beginning we talked about at the beginning of what the beginning of this realm of existence we call the natural material realm it's the realm our scientists are caught up in, and I understand that's what they're here for, to discover things that God's already created. We're mistaken when we think all we are is twitching meat, which is kind of the theory out there now, that all man is is a pile of twitching chemical chemicals, meat and in, in, in water and electricity, so that when this body is over, everything's over. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's something... If this amazing creation that our doctors have, we have doctors here that that understand more than we do how amazingly this body works, that just can't be some pile of twitching meat. This has got to be a creator. I'm going to run off on this. I don't want to get off on this. I don't want to get off on this. I don't want to get off on this. DNA. You've got to be deaf, blind, and intentionally dumb to understand DNA and not think that there's an intelligent design behind it. You have got to be intentional. No, you've got to be what Romans 1 says. You have to be deceived. It says God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to their own deceptions. When man becomes so proud, he thinks he can understand all of creation with his pea-sized little brain. Then God at some point will say, go at it, chump. You think you're so smart? And if you want to know how well we're doing with how smart we are, just look at the newspaper this morning. Just look at how well we're doing. Aren't we doing a great, great job with our understanding? Aren't, isn't the incredible knowledge we have now, isn't this knowledge apart from God just working such a wonderful life? Oh my goodness, it's worse than it's ever been since certainly that I've been around. So man's not doing too good a job on his own, is he? apart from God. And God never intended us to do it. Uh, i got to put myself back in here. Okay, all right, okay. So that's what we've been talking about. So we had to establish. We're, we're laying a teaching foundation now for where we're going with this, so you need to bear with me because without this foundation, the reality of what I think I know God wants to share with us won't have the impact that I believe God wants to have. So we established last year, started out with a picture of a of an astronaut on the moon with his, with his suit on. Just to demonstrate that he knew he was in a foreign, he was on a foreign, uh, a spe, an object out there. That this environment was hostile to him; it was not his home. So he had to wear a special suit so he could survive because it supplied his needs. And I taught you that's basically where we are. We are, we are, we are not of this kingdom, but we are in this kingdom. We are in this world, but not of this world, as the Bible says. So now, what we're going to begin to do is we're going to begin to take those two kingdoms and see how they apply to us. Because the title of today's message is Two Kingdoms Within You. You are, you, 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 what you consider you is made up of elements of both of those kingdoms. And the challenging thing is they don't interact naturally. So we're going to begin to look at this. Turn with me to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5. 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify, that means set you apart completely. So we want you to be set apart, all of you, completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. I believe what that teaches us, and I'm going to explain to you why in a minute. I believe that teaches us that we are made up of three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. I have to tell you that there are large segments of the body of Christ, theologians, people that teach in Bible schools, that, that teach you that there are two parts to you. There's body and soul, and there's some songs, body and soul. But here's why I believe that that's not correct. Several reasons. First of all, Genesis tells us that man was made in God's image, right? Remember that? I'll talk to this group over here. Talk to me. I know it's hot out there, but it's nowhere near as hot as where we were headed. So just keep that in mind. When we want to complain about this heat, there are people we're here to reach that they're going to get something a whole lot hotter than this. How did I get off on that? Okay. Spirit, soul, and body. Is that what we're talking about this morning? Oh, yes. God's image. We, were, we are created in God's image. And God is a triune God. God is made of three parts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and those, we've, I can't get into this this morning. We taught this when we did a series on Wednesday nights, uh, last year on the renewal. Three different functions, three different roles. God the Father is the ultimate authority. He initiates everything. It's his plans that are carried out. God the Son, the second person of the Godhead, Genesis John chapter one, verse one one and two, in the beginning was the Word. That's the second person of the Godhead. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He is the one that communicates and carries out the Father's will. And then the third person of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. He is the physical he is the agent that physically carries out the instructions of the Son who is carrying out the will of his father that brings, carries over to us, spirit, soul, and body. So if we're made in God's image, it's not shocking that there should be three parts to us also. And as we go through this, I'll explain how those three parts function in the basic same role that God's three parts function in. But here's the other reason why I believe it's so important. Because when I got saved uh, and began to, to grow and learn and discovered what Romans talks about, that when you come to Christ, God took your old nature out, and put a brand new nature in you, and that nature is born of God, and in that nature is His righteousness. 2 Corinthians five, seventeen says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, and all things have become new, and those new things are of or out of God, it says in the original Greek. And then verse 21 says, He who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin. I read this the other day. The only sin Jesus ever knew was yours and mine. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the other part of that statement is the only righteousness I'll ever know is His. The only sin Jesus ever knows is yours and mine. The only righteousness I'll ever know is His. But if that's teaching that I have been made, not when I get to heaven, not as I continue to grow and mature, but I have been made the righteousness of God. Not I'm more righteous than I used to be. Not God's improving me and developing me, because that's happening, but it's not how ha- I'm going to explain that in a minute. How can I be made as righteous as Jesus is and still be as messed up as I am? Let me ask you this question. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to give you the opportunity to lie. (laughs) But since you were saved, have there ever been a moment when you didn't act righteous? Has there ever been a moment when you didn't act as righteous as God is righteous? How can that be then, if I have been made the righteousness of God, and yet there are times I don't act righteous, or even rarely act the righteousness of God? How can that be? because a different part of you was given his righteousness your spirit man your spirit man we're going to talk about who that is today was made right you you were given a brand new spirit man and that spirit man is joined to and in union with Christ it's part of him then God took his spirit and put him inside of you so that's the part of you that's been made righteous righteous But there's two other parts of you. There's your body and your soul. And so if you're just a soul in a body, how can my soul have been made the righteousness of God and still my soul gets in trouble from time to time? I'm not the only one, am I? Don't leave me hanging here. Okay. How can that be? I don't believe it can if there's just two parts to you. So we're going to look at this today. Uh, Not only that, but Hebrews four twelve talks about uh, talks about God's word is quick and it's alive and it's sharper than any two edged sword, able to divide and discern the difference between the thoughts and the intention of the heart and of the and of the spirit and of the soul. So the word of God is able to divide the difference between your spirit and your soul. Why? Because your spirit is always going to be righteous. Sometimes your soul has some unrighteous attitudes. And the Word of God is able to separate that out. It's sharp enough to do that. So if it can divide and separate it, that means there are two different things. That's two different things. All right, I don't want to dwell on that. So all that God... Now, there are some places, to to be fair, where those terms are used interchangeably. But the principle, I believe, is valid and it's true. That all that God does with us, all that God does for us, is through the Spirit on the inside. And if we're not walking around aware of Him, of who He is, knowing how to be in touch with Him, this can be taught in a different... because we're going to see a scripture if we get there today, that 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 because we are children of God, we are led by His Spirit. But we can't be led by His Spirit if we're not aware of His Spirit in us. We can't be led by His Spirit if we're not aware of the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And, and most of us are so dominated by the man of the outside, the body, we're very, we're very little in touch with what's on the inside, and all of God's kingdom that He has for you is locked up inside of you. Your healing is in you now. Your healing is not something that's going to come down out of heaven if you just get enough in faith and say the right things and do the right things. Your healing, if you're a Christian, you're he- everything God's going to give you is in you now. Prayer is not, oh John, get off on this, is not getting God to do anything. God's already done it. This will change your prayer life, this will change your relationship with God when you get, when you get this understanding that God is a covenant and God entered into that covenant when Christ was nailed to that cross, buried and was raised from the dead. And, and when that happened, a covenant was sealed and cut and by that god gave everything he had then just like 49 years and several weeks ago my wife and i entered into a blood covenant of marriage and i didn't understand at the time and she didn't understand at the time but we made a complete commitment of ourselves together oh i got to be careful here there's so many that's why when husbands and wives have their am not messing with you, you have separate checking accounts, they're not acknowledging that you're one. Now there may be purposes for it, so don't feel condemned, don't argue with me, but the concept here is we're one. Everything I am and have is hers. This body is hers. It says that in First Corinthians. It's God's first and then it's hers. I have the third call on it. Because I gave my... She gave hers to me. So... How did you get me off on that? It's your fault. <laughs> Covenant. Yeah, thank you. We, God gave ever He gave himself to us. That's why Romans 8.32 says, if he gave his own son... Why would He not also freely give us? And the implication in the original language is at the same time, all things. So our prayers are not getting God to do something. That's why it doesn't work. Because God's saying, I've done it. Read read the book. I've already done it. Then what's the issue? We're not positioned ourselves to receive something God's already done. Because it's in you now. The wisdom that you need, the healing that you need, it's in the life of God that's on the inside of us now. So the problem is 18 inches. From here to here and here back up to here. Some of you are looking like I'm standing on my head and trying to wiggle my ears. Well, let's go on and you'll see. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 2. We're laying a foundation. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 are both the story of creation. And when God created it, he created it exactly the way he wanted it. So if you want to know what God's will is, there's three places to look. When God created it in the beginning, when God came to walk among us in Jesus, and then when God recreates everything at the end. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God creates this heaven and the earth, these two realms of existence, and now God creates, according to Genesis uh, 1, he creates all these other creatures, and then God creates man last. And then Genesis 2, he creates man first well how can this be because chapter 1 is the chronological order of creation chapter 2 is the order of importance and there God creates man first he's the only creation that God made that he made in his image the monkeys weren't made in his image the chimpanzees weren't made in his image the flowers aren't made the earth wasn't made in his image man is the only creature God made God formed the man out of the dust of the earth that refers to the body so God formed his bo- our, his body out of the substance of this material earth, which is why when, when you 're done with it, it goes back to the earth, it returns back into dust until God raises it from the dead, that body into a resurrected body and so and then God breathed into his nostrils. we did this example like pretend that he was holding the body up like this remember he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life well where did the breath come from it came from God he breathed into him his life and the man became a living soul is what that literally means so God breathed God took the body took the dirt and formed and and by the way ladies the word in Hebrew and I'm not I don't study Hebrew but what I understand the word means roughly put together it's like when that potter first reaches into that pile of clay and goes ah that's why men are so rough. But later on in Genesis 2, when it says he f- took the w- side out of the man and he formed woman, that's a very different word. It means to fashion, to delicately and fine craftsman fashion. Now, I know the world's getting confused on the difference nowadays, and we won't go there. But this is what God said, how he created us. Okay. He breathed his own breath, his own spirit into the man, and the man became a living soul. The man became a living soul. So what we see here, this is very important, this is our our goal for today, is your body, remember, there's three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Your body came from this material realm which is why your five senses can detect things from this spirit realm. This pulpit, this plastic pulpit, is from this spirit natural realm, and and the way you can tell it's here is by using your senses, so you can see it. If I hit it, you can hear it. And I can touch it, and if I really felt inclined, which I don't, I could lick it and taste it. So I know right away that this pulpit comes as part of this material realm. And my body is part of this material realm. It's the same... same, See, the material realm can only detect something else in the material realm if things are natural. Something supernatural, now you've changed the rules. But basically, things. for instance, in this room right now, there are hundreds of angels. There are hundreds of angels in this room right now? so I don't see them. That's right. That doesn't mean they're not here. Just because you can't see them, doesn't mean, well, all you're saying that you can't see them is they're not of this natural realm. When you can't see something, that just means it's not of the doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds, this natural material realm, was formed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen, which, which are this, which our senses can detect, were not made out of things that are visible. In other words, everything that exists in this material realm came out of the spirit realm first. Out of the heart and the mind of God. And then God, at the right time, spoke it into existence. Spoke it into existence. And the point is here, our bodies come from this material substance, which automatically mean they're limited in time. They only know time. This natural material realm is temporary. Because it's temporary, it's subject to change. And since the curse came, the change is all negative. You leave your car sitting outside... For five years and don't use it or do anything with it, you'll find out what kind of change it takes place. It's not going to be shinier. It's not going to have more pep. It's not going to be better off. Whatever you leave alone and don't tend to goes downhill because it's, it's natural. It's of this natural realm. And our body comes from that, which is why Paul talks about. That in 2 Corinthians 5 17, he says, Though this outward man is perishing, the inward man's being renewed day by day. This outward man's getting old. We do get older. Look, look at your high school picture, and then look at a mirror. I won't have to argue with you. But then he goes on to say, But this inward man, the real you, is being renewed, getting stronger day by day. So this material realm is temporary. This material realm is in the process of decay. This material realm is is a realm detected by your senses. Okay. That's our body. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it because we're... You all familiar with your body? You know where it is today? Okay. All right. Some of you really aren't sure. (laughs) All right. Okay. We don't need to spend a lot of time on it. The second one we're going to look at is the spirit man. The spirit man. In John chapter 4, we're not going to turn there. John 24, where Jesus is having this interaction with the woman at the well. We spent, uh, several years ago, we spent quite a bit of time talking about this. And in verse 24, Jesus talks about worship. And he said, God is looking for true worshipers. Because God is a spirit. Because God is a is, God Not as a spirit. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him. In spirit and in truth. And I've talked about this before. True worship is spirit to spirit between your spirit and God's spirit. It's not emotional. It can't have emotion connected with it. It's not, it's not slow music. Worship is not slow music and praise fast music. Worship is a communion out of your spirit connected directly with God's spirit. And it takes, you can worship in the shower, you can worship in your car, you can worship in your bed, don't have to worship here in church. And what you do in the shower, the car, and the bed will actually enhance what happens here at church. So God is a spirit, so the only way, so because God is a spirit, He exists in that realm. So the only part of us that can commune directly with God is the part of us that's come from Him, from His realm. And that realm is eternal. It does not change. So that's the inward man the Bible talks about. The inward man, which is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Okay. This is the realm. Now, here's the problem. Because this natural material realm can only be detected by something of this natural material realm. Oh, another point on the the spirit. Spirit beings are, are more real than... Physical beings. We talked about that a few minutes ago. Is everybody with me? I feel like some of you are just kind of floating out there. Or maybe I'm the one that's floating out there. Okay. Alright. Um, well, spirit beings are, 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 more real. Angels are more real. Demons are more real. There are demons and there are angels. Jesus talked about them all the time. Cast the demons out. Don't worship angels, but, but you can talk to them. You can call upon, don't call upon them. They're here to minister to us. Uh, Hebrews 1.14 says, Okay, so, but a spirit, oh I could get sidetracked here, because spirit beings cannot naturally contact things in this material realm, they need to physically live, they need to live in something that's of this realm. Anybody with me so far? This is why the devil tries to possess people because he can't do anything in this natural realm unless he works through a human a physical body that's why uh he, Ephesians 6 starting in verse 10 which talks about spiritual warfare says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood L- look to your right look to your left you're not wrestling against them hopefully your spouse was in there somewhere They're not your enemy. That person at work that just seems that has it out for you, that takes your private coffee cup and uses it, that, that, you know, whatever it is, they just want to get at you, they talk about you, they're not the ones that are after you. They're spirits trying to use them to get at you. And as long as you think they're your enemy, you'll never deal with the one that really is after you. Remember the story where Jesus gets his disciples and says, you get in the boat and I'll meet you to the other side. They get in the boat and they're going out there and there's a huge storm in the middle of the night and Jesus comes walking on the water to them and in Matthew's account, Peter starts to sink and anyway, Jesus, they panic, Jesus gets in the boat and they get to the other side and there's a crowd over there. When they get to the other side, they're walking in an area called Gadara and there's a man there, the Bible says, that's full of demons. So much so, I mean, he's full of them. In fact, there's over a thousand of them in there. That they can't keep him chained. I've dealt with somebody once. Somebody I knew. That he got a hold of, a demon got a hold of him, and three or four of us, grown men, couldn't hold him down. It was a supernatural strength that he had. And you, the only thing you knew that is commanded to stop and leave. And, and so, this man, they couldn't keep clothes on him, they couldn't keep him chained, and we would have, we would have, in this day and age, we would say he was insane and we would have tried to lock him up. And, and and then when, when Jesus shows up, the demons in him go, go crazy because they know who he is. And they say to him, Have you come to torment us before our time? And then they plead with him that if you're going to cast us out, don't don't just cast us out. There's a pig farm over there. Cast us into the pigs. Because they could not stand to not be in some kind of physical body. Jesus at one point tells us, he says, look, if you're, if you, if you cast the demon out, make, make sure you don't just leave that person, but you've got to fill them with the Word of God. You've got to get them filled with the Spirit of God, he says, because it's like, it's like somebody that, 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 you know, their house is clean and they leave it alone, and he says, the the seven more demons will come back and bring seven more worse if the house is left open. Why? Because they've got to occupy something. Well, God wants to possess you too, but in a different way. He wants you to be filled with all of His fullness. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He wants you to be filled with all of Himself. He wants you to be filled with His Spirit, not His Spirit, so that He can work through you and demonstrate Himself through you. So there's a battle going on as to which spiritual kingdom, gods or Satan's, you're going to allow to work through you in this earth. Some of you are looking at me, so it's like it's, it's Bible. I'm telling you. You know why? It, it, we get, because we're we're not used to thinking in these terms. We're used to thinking. I got up this morning. My stomach felt hungry, so I put food in. I need to brush my teeth because my breath smelled. You know, I got to get make sure my, I got to make sure I look right because I'm going to church and I'm going to see some of my friends. We spend all of our time, most of our time and energy, focused on this thing. You know, you're only going to have this for a few years. And so little time, energy, faith, focused on the real you on the inside. And not only that, God living on the inside of us. And the reason for this series is to awaken us to who God is on the inside of us so He can work in you and through you and for you. Because God needs the church, His church, to come together so that the demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit can do God's will in this time that we have left. But we're so carnal. That doesn't mean sinners. That means flesh-oriented. All of us. I'm teaching to me, and boy, am I learning that with what I'm going through. So that's your spirit, and that's your flesh, your body. The body The Bible refers to your Body sometimes is the flesh. And, and, and your flesh has a voice. If you don't believe it, decide today you're going to fast tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to get up at 5 a.m. and spend an hour in prayer. Or an hour early and get up and pray tomorrow. You'll find how your body will talk to you. I remember when I worked in, in up in Worcester and, and, and I was down here, and I determined I was going to get up at 5 in the morning and spend an hour with God. My body would speak to me when that alarm went off. If you do this, you're going to die. <laughs> I'm still here. I'm going to die. You're going to die. You need to sleep. you got a busy day ahead of you. Do you know Jesus would spend all night in prayer sometimes and then go do a full day of ministry? Because Jesus understood that the life of God inside of him animated him. Last Sunday when I came in here, I shared with you that I had hardly slept all night. I wrestled with my mind. I came out here the moment I got up here. It wasn't like something dropped down out of heaven. I was jumping around here, if you remember. It was, I allowed the life of God on the inside of me. I got this stupid brain out of the way of telling me what I can and cannot do. And I began to just operate and trust God and step around. And what I tasted, that's why Paul tells Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. The kingdom of God is in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. I think he can get me up in the morning. But we're so dominated by our senses, physical senses, that we act just like the world. And we talked about renewing the mind. It says that God's, the devil's goal is, is to keep you from getting saved. Well, obviously, he didn't do too good a job with that, did he? Because you're here and you're saved. So having stopped that, his next goal... Is to keep your salvation and the change in you from showing up so anybody else can see it and it affects them. And he gets us dominated with the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things. Oh my goodness, I can go in so many. Days. But I said there's a third part of you. That's your soul. So your body can't contact your spirit because you can't detect your spirit with your five senses. And your spirit can't have direct contact with this natural realm because it's of a different realm. So God gave you a third part. I had a graphic, which we don't have today, when I did Renewing the Mind. And the graphic shows that between your spirit... I'll do it this way. Let's do it this way. Ron, come up here. Stand up there. Um, Tim. You come up here. And you stand up over here so they can all see you. You're used to standing up there. Okay, stand over there. Okay, all right, okay, all right. Let's see. Well, you're bigger. I'm going to make you the flesh, okay? All right, this is the part we're used to. I mean, we just... Exercise, you know, all this stuff, you know, feed it, you know, we just take good care of it, you know, we just, oh, it's so good, you know, yeah, this is me. Okay. But I was born again, God took the old me out and put a huge me inside of me. Okay. Now here's the problem. God talks to me through me, through this. This is the real me. God talks to me. He's got all kinds. He's, every answer I need, every ability that I need is right here inside of me. And he's trying to communicate to that, nothing personal, that <laughs> thing over there that I just spend so much time with. And he's trying to get through. Don't go there. Don't eat that. Don't watch that. I "I know it feels good, but don't do that. It's not good. It's not going to get you where you want. And he's yelling and shouting. The problem is he can't hear because he has no direct contact. So God gave us a third part called the soul. That's me. The soul is a bridge. Here, give me your hand. The soul is a bridge to connect the spirit inside of you with your body. And to connect your body with the spirit inside of you. The soul is intended by God to serve. The soul cannot dominate. The soul was intended, we won't have time, we're gonna, the soul was intended when God created man, he created man with his spirit in dominion. And the purpose of the flesh was so that it could carry out physically the dictates of of the Spirit. And the soul understood what the Spirit was directing and gave instructions to the body to carry it out. Just like the Father decides what He wants done, the Son's, remember all Jesus said is, I've only come to do the will of my Father? Yes, He did. Yes, did. But it's the Spirit of God that physically carries it out. That's why now that Jesus is in heaven, and it's the same thing here, this is how God made it. To happen, But unfortunately, it didn't last that way. So I want you to see this. God's intention was for the spirit to be in dominion and in leadership and the flesh to serve and carry it out. And the soul was to interact between the two so that that could happen. We're going to read in a minute about the fall. That when Satan comes in, what he's trying to do, his whole goal is to reverse this process. So that now the flesh would be in dominion and the spirit would be subject to the flesh. Thank you, gentlemen. I'm going to explain to you. Very good. So let's go over to chapter three quickly. It's important to have this background because we're, we're still operating as if this were so what I'm going to read to you and it, it ain't necessarily not, it's not true. Okay, Genesis chapter three. We're going to pick up in verse. Um, well, chapter two ends with they were both naked and were not ashamed. That means they were they were they had no consciousness of their bodies. Can you imagine sitting here with no clothes on and not realizing it? Just the thought of it, I just lost some of you. There was no shame about them. They were not. They were. They were not conscious. They were so conscious of the Spirit in po- perfect communion with the f- God the Spirit that they weren't conscious of their body. You can get to that place where you're so busy doing something you don't realize you haven't eaten today. Some of you have never experienced that, I can tell. But but you can get to that point. I'm not looking at anybody. Oh, boy. Come on, John. My flesh is getting hurt. Let's start reading Scripture. That's the only safe thing to do here. And this was how God set it up. It's perfect. Then the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God... No, he's cunning. Not powerful, cunning. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not have eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Here's quickly what's going on here. Satan is a deceiver, which means he's never after what it looks like he's after. I've used this example so many times before, a pickpocket or a con artist makes it look like they have one concern when in reality they're looking for something else. So if you understand what they're really after, you won't be, fall for the trick. You won't fall for the con. I got an email the other day that the IRS was after me, that if I don't call this number back, there's criminal charges going to be filed against me. If you guess something like that, <laughs> well, they mess with the wrong lawyer. Because I I know the IRS doesn't work that way. <laughs> the grammar wasn't right. The phone number they gave for the law firm was wrong. I mean it was. Just, and then the email. I like, go. Oh, they email back and says you didn't answer our our email. Like and now it's going to get worse. Anyway, you guys are pulling me all kinds of directions. Okay, con men, That's right. Okay, so Satan comes into the garden. His agenda is not what it looks like. But what does he start by doing? He says, has God said? And he still does the same thing today. Mm -hmm. His number one approach is to get you to begin to question God's word. Because the moment you question it, you open a door to him. He cannot do anything with you once you're saved that you don't, unless you're giving permission. But he's very good at conning you into not only giving him permission, but cooperating with him with your mouth and with your faith and with your friends and And the moment she answers, this is so good, the moment she answers him, she gives him permission to speak. He didn't have permission to speak in the garden. In a courtroom, even if you're a lawyer for one of the parties, and you want to talk to the judge, you've got to ask him for permission to speak. You have to have what's called standing in court before you can say anything. You can't just walk in and give your opinion. They don't care what your opinion is. You have to be given permission by that judge to speak. And he was more so in the garden. Adam was the one in charge. He was the one that decided what went on there because God put him in charge. And Satan comes and he starts talking. Oh, he could go here. Adam and Timothy. And she, the moment she answers him, she acknowledges that he has a right to speak. You know, you don't have the do You have to answer everybody that asks you a question. You don't have to answer every phone call. It's my phone. I pay for the bill. I'm going to decide who calls. I'm going to answer what calls. I'm going to. just because when he calls me doesn't mean I'm going to say hello. What do you want? Or maybe the devil on the other end. Could be. I know what he wants. Here's what he's after. I showed you the order up there that God ordained. He wants to get it out of order because the moment it's out of order, it won't work right. Remember, Tim was over here. He was the spirit that God intends to dominate. Ron was this flesh over here which will carry out that and I was the soul to communicate and bridge the gap. What Satan went after her with was to get her to reason with her mind about what God said. God never told them to defend Him. He still doesn't tell you to defend Him. God never told them to explain it. He just said, don't eat it. It's really simple working with God. He's very clear and simple. Don't eat it. Don't even think about why don't eat it. Just don't do it. This is where I get in trouble. I start trying to figure out why, how, and they get in trouble with this. Instead of just do what I said. I can't go there right now. I just not time. The moment she starts explaining things, what do you explain with? Your mind. What do you think with? You do do it, don't you? Your mind. The moment she starts thinking about what God said the mind starts to take over and not listen to the spirit. Now, this is why, why this principle I mentioned to you before. And this is what, the way God designed you, your spirit man is to be in charge or your body's going to be in charge. But your soul is not capable of being in charge. It will serve one or the other. Now, you may think your mind's in control, but if you think your mind's in control, then I'm telling you who's in control, it's your flesh. It's getting quiet here. I'm trying to help set you free. There's a freedom in this. There's a, this is no condemnation in this. God's trying to pull the veil back and show us what's been going on so we understand why we're stuck where we are, why things aren't working, why is God not answering my prayer, why, 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 why? God has an answer because He wants us to come to the place where we can flow with Him and not sit there saying, I have no clue what's going on in a world that's been torn apart by turmoil and darkness and so many Christians are scared because they're not in touch with the secret place of the Most High. We love Psalm 91, but it's the secret place of the Most High that's in you. I've been in the middle of chaos around me and been at peace in here because it's the secret place of the Most High. But if I'm listening to my senses and paying attention to things going on around me, I can't get in touch with what's going on in here. So this is what Satan's device was. I going have time to go through the progression, but he gets her to question, just the moment she questions it, he says, has God said that? She said, yes, that's what God said. God said, we shall not eat of the tree. And then she adds to it, nor touch it. He didn't say that. He just said, don't eat it. So she starts adding to what God said. Now, once the door's open, he puts his foot in it. Now it's hard to close it. Once you're him permission to speak to you, it's hard to shut him up. Because now instead of debating what God says, He directly challenges it. Has God said that? What He's going to tell them is God lied to you. Imagine, in the course of like three sentences, He's going from, what did God say to you? to God lied to you. He's holding something back. And she can't defend against this because she's trying to handle that with her mind. You cannot handle the devil with your mind. You cannot handle spiritual things with your mind. It's by believing in your heart. That's why some of you aren't healed. You're trying to believe everything is through the heart, the spirit which your soul connects with. And so now when Genesis 3 ends, aside from the fact that they're out, they're kicked out, and that's another story as to why. It's not may, may not be why you think they were. It's to protect them and to protect us. No, I can't. Um, this is where we are. You we were born into this situation where we were born with our flesh dominating us. We did whatever... It's, it's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. We were by nature children of wrath, subject to the dictates of the flesh, dominated by the flesh with no power to change it. And that's where we were when we came to Christ. Romans 5, 8 in the New Living Translation says, when we were utterly helpless. Once you're in that situation, you can't reverse it because your flesh is now in dominion. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And this is where all of us were when Christ came into our lives he came to reverse us and put us back where God originally had established Adam by Jesus' death burial and resurrection he restored to the original order all who came to him Romans 5:17 says he who receives his righteousness will reign in this life will reign in this life. It may talk about reigning over demons and devils, but it starts by reigning over your flesh. So now Tim is back in dominion over Ron. Your spirit man, because the price for your rebellion has been paid, now Christ could give you his spirit. The new birth is a recreation of what God did in the beginning with Adam. It puts you back where Adam was to begin with. The difference is, and here's the big difference, the difference is, he doesn't put your flesh back where their flesh was. That's why when people come up here to answer an altar call, which we'll do in just a minute, uh, sometimes I'll say, you know, when we're done here, your hair's going to be the same color, your eyes are going to be the same color, you're going to be the same size. The only change may be, you may have a smile on your face, because the change that's about to take place is on the inside not on the outside. So what happens now, once you come to Christ, God takes your old nature out, that fallen nature out, and puts his own nature, his own righteousness in you, his own spirit in you, just as he did in Adam in the beginning. That spirit man, now because he's clean, now because he's not, he's, he can stand holy before God, has again, has dominion, over the flesh, which is why Romans 6 talks about don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Before you came to Christ, you couldn't do anything about it. It rained and you wanted it to rain. So here's the issue. Once you come to Christ, God's changed the nature on the inside, but the body's still the same body. It still wants to do, it, and it still wants to do what it always wanted to do. And it becomes like a spoiled brat. It's used to having its way. So when you begin to say no to it, it's going to do what a little spoiled brat will do. It'll fuss back at you. It'll scream at you. It'll yell at you. Tell you you're going to die. It'll tell you you're into some cult. It will. I mean, you just, you can't listen to it. This is where prayer and fasting is important. Because it tells your body, we're not eating today. I don't care what you say to me. I control what we're going to do. We're not going to eat today. Listen to this carefully. You are not your body. That's not who you are. Because if you're your body, you're going to end up in the dust again. You're an eternal being. You're a child of the living God. You live in this temporary house, the Bible calls a tent, because you need to have a physical body to operate in this earth. But the moment Jesus comes back, or the moment you leave here, you're leaving that thing here until the resurrection, then you're out of here, and you're gonna get, you're gonna walk around without the need of this thing. A spiritual body until this body's resurrected from the dead. And Jesus came to just demonstrate that after his race from the dead. He just walked through walls. Walls were no limit to him. And yet he ate food, so he was real. Oh boy. Okay. Romans 6.4 says, He was raised from the dead so that we should walk in the newness of life. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall no longer, flesh shall no longer have dominion over you. In Romans 8, put that one up. Therefore, brethren, he's talked about what God has done for us, what I just talked about. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, are obligated not to the flesh. Elsewhere, he says, make no provision for your flesh to serve it. Therefore we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God has put you back where the spirit man on the inside of you now has the authority. But if we don't know that, we'll continue to walk led by the flesh. We'll continue to walk dominated by the flesh and that's why here's what has to take place. This is what has actually happened. But the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because not only was your flesh not changed, your mind wasn't changed. Those two God has left up to you. The power the grace, the ability, the authority to exercise dominion over your mind and over your flesh is within you. But you have to exercise it. If you don't know you have it, you won't exercise it. We'll think we will just subject to whatever comes along. We're just subject to the whims. I get up today, I don't feel very well today. I just don't feel like going to church. Well, I didn't feel like going to church today either, but I did something Pastor Sam used to talk about. You make yourself do something. And once you find out you can do that, it feels good to not be subject to what your flesh tells you you can and cannot do. It feels good when you begin to exercise the dominion that God has given you. When you begin to stand and say, what this Word says I can do. If this Word says I can stop that habit, I can stop that habit. The reason we struggle so much is in trying to stop it, we pay so much attention to the flesh that's hooked on it. Instead of finding out who we really are on the inside and that power, that demon was broken 2,000 years ago. i got to end here because we could just go on with this. And this is the basic foundation which we need to see because what we're going to begin to walk in is how we can walk this out. But you've got to understand there are two kingdoms and both of them are affecting you like we saw up there. And then when you came to Christ, everything was put back the way God originally established it with Adam. Except you still got your old stinking flesh, and so do I, to deal with. And we still have the responsibility to renew our mind, to change how we think about these things, so that we can begin to cooperate with what God's put us on the inside. Let's pray. Amen. Father, we thank you today. That the entrance of your word brings light. The entrance of your word brings truth and light. Father, some of us have heard some things this morning that we may have never heard before. Some of us may have heard some things this morning that we may somehow feel condemned about. And there is no condemnation in this message. There is none intended. But this is to set us free. Lord, many of us, most of us, are caught in some kind of bondage. And you're our Father and you love us more than we'll ever love ourselves. And you want to see your children free. Free indeed, enjoying the freedom that you paid for with your Son's blood. Father, open the eyes of our understanding today to see what it is you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And for that we thank you. In Jesus' name.